Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the Stream Bucket Podcast, episode 16. Yeah, Easter. Easter special. Mm. God, we've done a Halloween, done a Christmas, now we've done an Easter. What are we, a calendar? Oh, what's next? May Day. We've got to dress up as Morris dancers. I mean, yeah. Mm. I've always sort of thought about you just as a Morris dancer, mate. I get to wear bells on my feet. Yeah. Jingle around the pole. Do you remember the... Dom Jolly's happy hour when they went to Russia. Yeah. And did the folk dance. <laughs> yeah. There's the Morris dancers. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is very strange, isn't it? No one will get that reference. No. No one at all. It is very strange. But it's dying out, so we have to embrace it. Yeah. I went to a Mayfair somewhere, Whitwell or something, a few years ago. A fair few years ago now. Yeah. And I had all the men dressed up in their bells and everything, dancing around the pole. Aren't they... Because they're struggling so much, they've now opened the doors to women. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was a sexist thing. Only men could do it. Yeah, that's right. Well, not sexist. It's just traditional. <laughs> and lots of women wearing beards dancing about. Really? Oh, that's brilliant. Are <laughs> you know, only women here today? No, 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 no. It harkens back to a nicer time. It it summons up visions of a midsummer night's dream. You say you know, that. People... Is it in... Derbyshire, somewhere near the Welsh border, where I'm pretty sure they wear blackface to scare oh. off the Welsh, and that's where it's like, oh. yeah, maybe you should die out, yeah. you know, that's... not be- not not for the ethnic thing, but for the devil. Rawr. Oh, really? What? What do you mean? So the the ethnic thing is okay, but if, as soon as you get Satan involved. Is that what you're saying? No, no. I'm saying that what you're that... implying? No. <laughs> huh? No. Actually, no. I'm a bit high on sugar, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, listeners, Adam has just eaten five cream eggs in very quick succession. He was trying to beat a world record, um, which was six eggs in a minute, and he failed miserably. Yeah, well, but... six eggs in ten minutes. But oh, no. strangely <laughs> enough, he kept eating the eggs afterwards because they're he delicious. liked it so much. They're delicious. It was very strange. But anyone who wants to do the record at home, which you'll hear at the end of the show instantly, uh, the attempt. Um, the first one's the hardest because it suddenly gets stuck to your mouth. And then you have to get over that and then just bite it. That's why uh, I just discovered. What, so, I don't know. What, maybe he just swallowed them whole. It's po- it's possible. I did just read that a woman did 50 in six minutes. 50? Apparently. Well, that's a better record. Because that's 10 a minute. But that's just... That's stupid. That's ten, suicide, If you're doing surely. 10 eggs a minute, you have to swallow them whole. I'm pretty sure she blended it. Like, that's not possible. Oh. Six, I can, I can see. Bit training. Bit jaw strength. God, what people do to their bodies. Man. I'm going to do it next year, and I'm going to beat that thing. I'm going to train throughout the year. Oh, dude. <laughs> You're like Stanley Marsh, just, or Randy Marsh, sorry. Stanley Marsh? You know, when Rand, you know in South Park when Randy's training to beat up people at the baseball game? And oh, yeah. He, and he gets up in the morning, he's broken the eggs, and you think he's going to drink the eggs raw, and then he just pours it into a frying pan. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway, what have we got on the show today? Um, so, as it's an Easter theme, we delve into the wonderful, the amazing, the iconic life of Brian. Yes. Monty Python's magnum opus. Um, we go into some Fortnite Schmort night when we cover some of the stuff which is going on at CinemaCon. Uh, the Joker trailer. And we play a silly game. And we talk about our film. 
and we talk about our film. Yes, our film that is still in production and we'll keep updating you whether you like it or not. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to it uh, with some Jim Prattle. Cruising down the street in Mass 6 4. Oh, sorry, is that start? Oh, this is Scream Bucket with Adam and Roll. Learn about movies whilst we get in your job. TV and games and other stuff too. And we're going to share all this with you. What the hell is that? Why do you stop it? No, I'm not playing. I don't know what it is. It's Game of Thrones. It's a film to Game of Thrones. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? It's the four days away to the biggest TV event of the decade. No, 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 no. This is important. People want to hear about it. People listen to us to hear about the film and the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones is the biggest TV thing of all time. Everyone else does, Game of Thrones. No, they don't. No, no, they, well, they don't know. No, I but, bet Dan and Kev have talked about Game of Thrones. Well, but Dan and Kev will not have my opinions on Game of Thrones. No, they won't. They'll have different favourite characters. <laughs> this, we're the TV and film show, so we people are going to want to hear our stuff. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. Well, I can fill in. I can give you questions, and then you can... I know that... Verilaris has no something. Ask me who I want to live. Who do you want to live? Well, Gendry, I would really want blah, to live. Carry on. You always ruin it for me every Car- time. No. We don't have to talk about Game of Thrones. Carry on. Carry on. Well. Blah, oh. blah. No, sorry, I won't do it again. You're not going to do it again. I won't do it again. You're not going to do it again. No, I won't do it again. Okay. I want Gendry. So I've been watching. Um... <laughs> Go on. Hi, I'm Adam. I'm Rob. And this is Scream Bucket. Yes. Screen Bicker. Yes. Screaming. You know the screen, the thing that Game of Thrones is on. Is it? Yes. It's not uh... a radio play. Is it not? No. Should it be? Yes. Oh, I'm walking about, minding my own business. And then, oh, there's a dragon. God, you know nothing about Game of Thrones. Is that Game of Thrones? People do walk around. Oh, I'm so naked. Yes. I've got some witch's brew, and I'm gonna transform into a shrew. You've mentioned naked people, quests, dragons, witches, brews. They're all fantastic things, and you're taking the mickey out. Oh, I got a sausage. Just because you've got wobbling it about yeah. in that little gift. Very traumatizing scene. You're, you're will taking, you marry me? You're a, no, I won't marry you because a, then everyone will die. You're putting a silly voice on really cool stuff and then making it silly. <laughs> it's not that silly voices. I could do it. Alright. Shut, shut up. I can't I can't have a obviously can't have a good decent conversation about Game of Thrones <laughs> with you. So what have you been listening to? Uh what have you listening to? What have you been watching to? What have you been watching? What have you been watching? <laughs> oh dear. You're right. I just wanted to talk about Game of Thrones, but I can't, because you're an idiot. 
<sighs> what have you? What? Come well, on. I've I've been ill, so I've been gone back to my comfort foods. Well, your comfort foods. What's your comfort foods? Well, we talked about it before. My Star Treks. Oh, you said comfort food. Well, comfort brain food. Okay, right. But also, I watched the cartoon Trailer Park Boys. There's Ooh. a cartoon of Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, it's an interesting direction for a sort of mockumentary, almost reality sort of series, comedy series. Yeah, I've done all cartoony. Right. The setup is that they've done loads of mushrooms, possibly, and they've turned to cartoons and they don't know what's going on. So it's voiced by the people. Yeah, it's all voice, but it's in the same style. It's all like handheld camera movements and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's very violent because obviously they can do more now. Right. So in the first episode, guy loses his arm and they have to staple it back on. The second episode, he gets a Ricky gets a tapeworm that has little cartoony eyes. Right. And eats the sausage out of his hand. It comes out of his mouth. <laughs> Well, why is this even a thing? So I don't know, it's They've taken Trailer Park Boys and turned it into, what, like an animated, bizarro, what? It's just, it's just... Is it a web series? No, it's on Netflix. Um, yeah. Well, I suppose, I suppose that, that is a web series, really, but yeah. yeah it, uh, I think partly it's because um, one of the main actors died. Oh, right. And so he's in it as a ghost because they can do ghosts because it's a cartoon. Right. I don't know. It seems it's come from a lot of different directions. And then when he does speak, it's all sound bites. It's all like little moments that. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. It's not as good as the series. The series, why it's funny is because it's all physical and yeah. people falling over and stuff. But you know, it's a lot of facial expression stuff in the TV series, which probably wouldn't necessarily translate into this format. I'd imagine. Yeah, it's definitely of the. Current cycle of uh, pretty stone-faced web cartoon sort of faces. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah. It's very... It's not like The Simpsons in its heyday. They don't move about like humans, you know? Right. But yeah, it's good. It's worth, worth watching, I guess, if you like Trailer Park Boys. Oh, cool. But yeah. What have you been watching? Well, I was rattling on about Motley Crue for months, wasn't I? About the dirt. The dirt, yes. Watch that. It was good. It was. I, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. Um, but it was very good anyway. They did a, they did the thing again. They did the biopic thing again. They didn't. Everything was a lot more truthful, and they were honest when in comparison to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when they they actually did a really funny thing where they had to cut a guy out who was very important in the book, and then one of the actors turns to the camera and says, "Here's a picture of this person." We wanted him to be in the film, but we didn't really have the space, so we just cut him out. <laughs> really? I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So that was quite good. Um, but. They didn't get as depraved, despite the fact there's stuff in there which is like borderline pornographic. Yeah. They did, here's what they did. In Straight Out of Compton, um, the biographical thing about yes. NWA, they made them very, very likable. And NWA were kind of a bit nastier. You know, they made, you uh-huh. know, they made yeah. the protagonist very likable. They did the same thing with The Dirt, in that all of them are extremely likable. If you read The Dirt, they're all scumbags. Okay. <laughs> except for one of them, except for maybe Mick Mars. But yeah, it's very enjoyable, very good, not for everyone. Very um, depraved. Not depraved enough, I don't think. Yeah, that, do you know, I, I did mean to watch it, but I just ran out of time. The uh, I think I've had enough of biopics now. Yeah, the review I heard was basically the same, just went, nah, it wasn't enough. Yeah, they could have pushed it further. Was it edited better than Bohemian Rhapsody? 
I mean, that one bit was poor, wasn't it? Um, one best editing, just want to point that. Loads of people were criticising the um, general production of The Dirt, but I didn't see any, like, too anything right. glaringly obvious. Fair enough. The other thing I watched, um, probably everyone's already watched all this by now already, was uh, Ricky Gervais' new Netflix show, Afterlife. Yeah, everyone's watching that. Um, it's standard Ricky Gervais stuff. It's very funny, very heartwarming. Gets. Can I just ask, is he the only straight man in a weird world? Or is he the only weird one in a straight world? He's a suffering, hugely depressed person surrounded by people who are okay. annoyingly, obnoxiously happy. Yeah, oh, there we go. There yeah. we go. That's the Ricky Gervais formula. It's the Woody Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is that. But there's a... He's uh, writing. He's kind of put his own beliefs and ideologies into it. A lot of stuff about atheism, like the one-sided yeah. argument, which is fine. But then there's some kind of stuff which really gets a bit like... I don't know, that's a pretty strong opinion. There's a bit where he's uh, he's friends with a homeless man who sorts him out of heroin. And um, they talk about death. And he's saying, oh, well, we're kind of similar, you and I. And then the homeless man says back to him, we're not similar because you want to keep going. I want to die. And he gives the homeless man money so he can afford enough heroin to kill himself. And there's no sort of retribution or kind of like... <clears throat> Have you watched the whole series? Yeah. Okay. But he's, it's almost as if they're com- by saying that it's the right thing to do. And it, you kind of got to yeah. take a step back and wonder how much of his opinion of doing the right thing versus doing the wrong thing is coming across. It was quite, I don't know, I thought, is that right? That seems like he pretty much murdered the hugely depressed guy. Well, I suppose it's challenging you to think about it. it. I definitely thought about it because it makes you think about euthanasia and all of that and sort of. Yeah. It's the thing with Ricky Gervais. For all the preaching he does of uh, atheism, he basically is no different to have just made a film about Catholicism. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's still one side of the argument. It's still closed-minded preaching, which is sort of puts... One of the things that puts me off, bloody Gervais. Yeah. His bloody face. People don't want to feel like idiots. But he's a very... He's genuinely... You know, it is a great show and very funny. All right. Yeah, everyone's watching it. Yeah, I probably won't bother to be honest. I don't really like it's it. It's not that good. Well, there it's we not, go. It's not the office. It's not. The, it's not extras. It's it's okay. Yeah, well, there we are. Well, anyway, that puts us nicely onto the fact that this is, in fact, the Easter special, Woo! and as such, we have some Eastery treats ahead of us, especially me. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. What are you doing, Adam? I'm gonna break a record this a, very evening. A Guinness World Record. Yes. Yes. So what are you going to do? Do you know what the record is for the most cream eggs eaten in a minute? 20. Six. Six. Six measly cream eggs. Six? Yeah. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. I could eat that. I could do that with my brain. What, literally, does your brain have a mouth that comes out of your ear? Yes. You scoff. Yes. All right. So, yeah. Well, I've got 12 sitting in the fridge, chilling. Do you know what I've got sitting in the fridge chilling? What? Four Polish cans. Because what I'm going to do, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to sip my beer and I'm going to watch you choke to death on disgusting cream eggs. Nope, they're the best and I will win. Filth. Mmm. Anyway, let's get started with the first song. What's the first song, Rob? <sighs> Can't remember. Whole sauce. Whole sauce. Whole sauce. Whole sauce. Horse. Horse. Goodbye horses. No. Silence of the lambs. No. Um, horse. Horse with no name. By America. America? America. All of them? All of them. All three. 
That was the Brian song, sung by a 16-year-old girl called Sonia Jones. 16? 16! 16? Could you hold a note like that at 16? Well, I could a few years before. Well, hey. <laughs> what? No puberty. Oh. Well, anyway, what happens in Life of Brian? Uh, Jesus. Jesus is preaching to a big crowd of people. Sermon on the Mound. Yeah, Sermon on the Mound. And there's some people at the back who can't hear. There's a fight starting. The people have been called Big Nose. But that's not really what it's about. It's about this Brian guy. Right. So Brian, where is he? He's kind of living with mum. Yeah. So that's it It spins off from there. So he's living with his mum. He's got a dead-end job serving... No, well, otter's noses. Snacks at the local Coliseum. Yeah. Doesn't have a girlfriend. Has daddy issues. Yeah, because he finds out that his mum, well, he made, she made him with a Roman. Yeah, mm. yes. Which gives him a bit of an identity crisis, so he doesn't really belong. Well, yeah, and he hates the Romans as it is, so he takes it badly. Mm. So what does he want to do? He decides he wants to join the Judean People's Front. Judean. Did I get that right? Judean. Not pe- the People's Front of Judea. Uh, <laughs> or is it the Popular Front? The Popular Front of Judea. No, he's over there. At the was it at the Sermon of the Mound? He spots this group, and in the group is this girl, this woman. Oh yeah, and he falls, and he falls for, her. for her immediately. So when he sees her at the Colosseum, where he's selling author's noses and wolf nipple chips, mm. get why they're hot, they're lovely. So he goes and talks to them, and he asks, "Are you the Judean People's Front? The, the Judean People's Front? We're the People's Front of Judea." Mm. There we go. <laughs> uh, and basically convinces himself in. They sort of see him as a bit of a joke. So they send him off to do a menial bit of... Heistery. Heistery. Graffiti. Oh, of course, yeah. Bring that fantastic scene with John Cleese as the Roman centurion. Romane Aunt Domus. That's oh, so good. So every kid at that time would have been forced through a thousand Latin lessons. Well, at yes, exactly. And you can you can feel the the hatred for Latin. Oh yeah, and yeah, intelligent because it is the truth. It is actually teaching you Latin. Uh, and he ends up doing the fifty foot high and hundreds of times. So he earns their respect. What next? What next? Uh, so he's earned their respect. They want to break into a palace and steal a girl, don't they? Pontius Pilate's wife. Yeah, they want to steal Pontius Pilate's wife. So they break in, and whilst in there, he gets arrested. Yep. And then we have the legendary biggest Dickus scene. <sighs> yes, yes. Well, I, yeah, so from there, we just see Brian goes through the ringer, doesn't he? And he ends up 
being arrested, then going on the run, and then that's it, basically. Hmm. It's a whole... It's a bit of an adventure story that ends badly. It's all kind of parallel to Jesus's uh, downfall, but not the same way at all. No, basically. But this is uh, this is Monty Python at its best, isn't it? Yeah, pinnacle. Well, the, of the films, especially. Although, mm. actually, personally, of the whole thing, for me, I think. Yeah, I mean, because here's the thing with Monty Python: for every great sketch, there's a not so good sketch yeah so there's 10 wa- terrible ones if you're watching them by the series some of it can become very testing but this is just gold from start to finish absolutely so we've got Graham Chapman uh, as Brian does he play anyone else oh he also plays Bigger Stickers doesn't he yes he does uh, yeah he's he's past his alcoholism he's he's a new man he's full of life and uh, he's also a good front man in Holy Grail but he excels in this one I think yeah absolutely uh, Terry Jones playing his mum. Fantastic. And Terry Jones, I've s- sucked all of that into my brain over the years. Oh, because mate. Yeah. Every time I want to be a Victorian strumpet or washerwoman, yeah. it's because of him. Well, it's funny. We, we were talking about this over WhatsApp after we saw it. This film, more than any other, I think, inspired our humour. Yeah. Because there's certain turns of phrase that I use day to day, and I forgot where it was from, and it's all from this film. Mm. You lucky, lucky, <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's all fantastic. the The ones that stand out, the scenes that stand up, because it is being Monty Python, it is still a sketch comedy. Mm. This one's got a bit more of a woven in narrative, but you've still got these standout scenes. The biggest one being Bigus. Dickus. <laughs> which, which famously, it's John Michael Palin as Pontius Pilate, who talks like this with a actually fairly accurate Roman lisp. Throw him to the floor. What's it? Taking the mick out of his lisp. So Brian's um, supposed dad. Nautius Maximus. <laughs> I think it's a joke, sir. Like, uh... Silly Asodus or Biggest Dickers, sir. What's so uh, funny about Biggest Dickers? Well, it's a joke name, sir. I have a very great friend in Rome called Biggest Dickers. <laughs> Silence! What is all this insolence? The extras had no idea that they were going to do this, did they? They had no idea that... So they were told to be Roman soldiers and not to laugh. But they didn't know the script. They didn't know what would happen. Mm. So when they're told not to laugh by Pontius Pilate, that's really them being told not to laugh. And then they spend the rest of the scene creasing up and holding their lips very, very tightly so they won't laugh. Uh, And once you know that, the scene takes a whole different meaning. It's funny because the whole thing about this film, quite obviously, is that you're taking British people, British complainers, the stereotypical Englishmen, and you're putting them in Judea, 33 AD. Yes. So all of this comedy is because you, you it's a story that I think then, a lot more than now, was like integral to people's lives. Everyone used to go to church, blah, 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 blah. So it's a story everyone knew back to front. And then you're taking the Pythons and these complaining, moaning, arguing people, having very British fights and arguments whilst Jesus is Well, it's funny when there. you hear a Welsh accent out of nowhere. Yeah. That's always funny. Mm. What's the standout scene for you, Rob? My favourite scene in the film easily is you're not allowed to say Jehovah yeah 
<laughs> so there's a man who's about to be stoned to death, and uh, I'm like laughing thinking about it. So there's a, although uh, it's, they just add more silly to it. So it's silly enough that a man is about to be stoned to death because he says Jehovah, mm-hmm. and he was just saying it by incident. But oh, what did he say? His that halibut was good enough for Jehovah. Yeah, yeah. But the, the then thing, someone lobs a stone at him. Well, the, the things what they'd set up before then was the women weren't allowed to attend the stonings because it was written. Yeah. And yet, so there's a black market for beards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where the scene where Brian and his mum go and buy stones to, for the stoning, <laughs> which itself is ridiculous. There's a black market for beards because women are the only ones who go to the stonings. Mm. So that that small little detail is underpins the rest of the film. Everyone yeah. does their own thing anyway, regardless of what scripture says. Yeah. So yes, anyway, yeah. So they, so it's full of women all putting on. Silly, silly beards. And silly, silly voices. And then Eric Idle is one of the women yeah. that are putting on the woman voice. So she was like, I didn't throw that. No, I didn't throw that stone. What's the, yeah. what's, he'll scream at some point. <laughs> and the, uh, John Cleese playing the, the executioner, the priest, whatever he is. Are there any women here today? Very well. So that's really early on as well. Oh, it's so good. And then, like, it, in true Python fashion, it ends with just about eight of them carrying a ginormous boulder and flinging it on him at the end. I also couldn't stop laughing at the man who took a vow of silence in the hole. Yeah, I was about to say that. That yeah. is my highlight. Mm. That's Terry Jones playing the hermit. Yeah. Oh, my foot! <laughs> so, yeah. 20 this, years of being silent! At this point, Brian's managed to convince the masses that he's the messiah mm. so he's on the run from the from the roman patrol and he's just like spilling out whatever he's heard i guess inarguably the most blasphemous thing i could see in the film right because he's actually saying scripture and people are undoing it unraveling it right consider the birds well they don't have jobs do they he's having a go at the birds he's saying the birds are scrounging all that stuff and then he sort of trails off when he's talking and doesn't finish his sentence. And they all sort of, what, what were you going to say? What, what? Please tell me, tell me, your master, <laughs> master, please tell me. And then all, sort of everything that piles up and piles up. So he's running away from the crowd of people that are following him. Um, and he ends up in a, in a mountain with a juniper. He jumps in a hole, isn't he? Yeah, he jumps in a hole where the hermit's sat. Jumps on the hermit's foot. Mm. <laughs> Howls oh my foot! Uh, the, but the highlight for me is the juniper bushes. Master, your people have walked many miles to be with you. They are weary and have not eaten. It's not my fault they haven't eaten. There is no food in this high mountain. Well, what about the juniper bushes over there? He has made the bush fruitful by his word. They've brought forth juniper berries. Of course they've brought forth juniper berries. They're juniper bushes. What do you expect? Show us another miracle. Do not tempt him, shallow ones. Is not the miracle of the juniper bushes enough? I say, those are my juniper bushes. They are a gift from God. They're all I've bloody got to eat. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's very, very good. And it didn't go down very well at all, did it? No. So you hadn't seen this before, the the famous interview, had you? I had not, no. So we showed you a bit of it. They got some people right riled up. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I know it was banned in Sweden, I think, for blasphemy, or Norway. Ireland um, hated it. Well, yes. I think they banned it in Ireland. Famously, there was this interview... Uh, there was an interview where John Cleese and Michael Palin were on a panel with a bishop and some sort of strange Clergy man. man. Yeah, on a show called Friday Night, Saturday Morning in 79, where the priest and the man basically accused him of blasphemy and of undermining Jesus and all this stuff. Not understanding that the whole point of the film is misunderstandings. Yeah. Ironic. But they were. it wasn't just like an angry thing. They were outraged to the point of like, I've never seen the religious people so angry, except for my old head teacher, who was terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, they were genuinely like outraged. Like they're disgusted by this film. And I don't know if it's a generation thing, but I, you know, having watched it yesterday, I was kind of like, well, why? It's not that bad. Do you think it's because Life of Brian was the first one to do that? Yeah, I think maybe it kind of uh, before tested that, the waters. Yeah, before that, everything religious was dogmatic and serious and straightforward. Yeah. Life of Brian, when they were originally pitching the idea, he, Brian was supposed to be the other disciple, hmm. who no one remembered, who did just obviously lost track and stuff. Uh, but they went sideways with that and just made him parallel, to live parallel lives. But the, I think there's the particular offence over the final scene. Because I guess, yeah, I, I can see the point of you just don't have a crucifixion theme if you don't want to offend anyone. But but the point they made was, in this interview, is that the crucifixion happened to everybody. Mm. And that, if anything, the idea of Jesus being just anybody, does that not make the story stronger? Yeah. Whereas I think the clergy see it as more of a, this only happened to him. Yeah. This was his special thing. Well, he kind of even said that. He said, well, Jesus' crucifixion meant more. It was more, I don't know. I don't know the point he was trying to make. No, who knows the point he was trying to make. But Life of Brian ends with a load of baddies, criminals, thieves on a hill, all singing a bawdy, happy song. And that's what drove them nuts. Mm. I think. Ridiculous. Mm. Because it's a song that has inspired and been played at countless funerals ever since makes people genuinely has makes people really Isn't it played at the olympic ceremony opening or closing possibly really? closing. yeah yeah i mean i listen to it when england get knocked out of world cups <sighs> jesus god i've got a morning process and it starts it's got to start somewhere <sighs> well what's the song it's eric idol always look on the bright side of life hollow dell media's screen bucket with adam and rob Hi, it's us again at the podcast. Uh, we just want to talk a little bit more about life of Brian, if that's all right. Yeah. All right? Is that all okay? Is that okay? No, no, no. that what cream eggs does to you? Reverses oh. puberty. <sighs> Do not eat this if you want to lose your pubic hair. If you don't want to lose your pubic hair. Pubic Do hair. Do not eat if you do not want. Do so. not eat if you do not oh, want. Oh, who cares? Let's talk about life of Brian. <laughs> Right, yeah. What did we forget to talk about about Life of Brian, Adam? Uh, well, I feel like it's... Well, you even said it yourself. That comedy's hard, especially when it's sketch comedy, because it's quite hard to piece together the, the motivations of the character and, yes. you know, all the storytelling arcs and stuff. It's mostly just a sketch show with a plot going through it. Yeah. This one. Definitely. Good way to describe it. Um, so, there's any things you felt you missed from the actual discussion? Well, I thought 
it was in. I just found it interesting how there's this network of comedians in the seventies and the early eighties and whatever, but mm. there's also musicians. Monty Python went down very well with George Harrison. And, okay. Uh, he, uh, Life of Brian was one of those films that went into development hell for a while, and EMI were going to front the money for it. And I think a couple of weeks before they were going to shoot or before pre-production was going to begin, they backed out. Mm. And what I find incredible is Monty Python were on such good terms with George bloody Harrison <laughs> that they were like, mate, we can't make this film. So George Harrison was like, well, I'll front the money. See, that's awesome. Yeah. Because he presumably had enough faith in them that whatever, do what you want. Yeah. And he had enough Beatles money. Well, yes, there, yeah. is, there is that. Uh, also, Keith Moon was uh, involved, but I think he died or was very ill and couldn't actually be on the shoot. Yeah. I want to say I read that he was in the Bahamas where they wrote the script. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and uh, they wanted him to be one of the preachers in the market. The, there's a bit in the market where there's lots of people spinning out all this sort of dogma. Mm. Uh, a nine-bladed sword shall come and strike down the non-believers, all that sort of stuff. And there was one who the scene opens with, played by Terry Gilliam in the end. Uh, the whore of Babylon shall come from the shores and all that stuff. That was supposed to be Keith Moon. And that would have been awesome. That would have been great. Although I think Terry Gilliam pretty much nailed that that mad... He's got that thing going on with his face where, I mean, he just becomes that Python character, that shriveled, gnarled... I've got to say, we mentioned that the Life of Brian probably inspired our humour more than anything else. Hmm. I want to say Terry Gilliam's roles probably inspired my acting. A little Do you bit. reckon? Uh. I always aspired to be... Uh, he was Arthur's assistant in Holy Grail. That's played by Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Oh, what, with the, with the coconuts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only a model. <laughs> <laughs> he um, actually had a bit of a little... I wouldn't say an argument, but he was a bit peeved with uh, Terry Jones because Terry Jones eventually helmed the directing. They, yes. They agreed that... Terry Jones's directing style was much better suited than Terry Gilliam. I would agree with that. Having known Terry Jones did a historical documentary series way later, mm. he was very good at that. Anyway, yes, but he uh, apparently uh, Terry Gilliam put a load of work into Pontius Pilate's sort of um, house, and and but he put a load of effort into latrines and stuff like that. So he went into the history and stuff. He really studied it. Oh, really? It's a bit authentic. Yeah. And then after the direction, he was really a bit like, hang on a minute, why is the cinematography uh, not showing any of my incredible work? Uh, yeah, that's a shame. But that's one of those things, isn't it, in film? You Sometimes you're not going to... The things you work really hard on are not going to be appreciated, and then the things you might not work hard on are like, oh. Yeah, was it Stephen King who said, kill your darlings? Mm. No, but I don't think it was Stephen King who's coined it, but a phrase, kill your darlings, is a... I think it's more of a screenwriting thing, but I think it's also filmmaking generally. It's that joke you've been working on, if it doesn't fit, drop it. Yeah. It's even though you put loads of effort into stuff, yeah. For yeah. well, the sake of the film, you're gonna do it. It's just one of those things. Hmm. I think Life of Brian is regarded as the best of the film, Monty Python films, partly because it had one director. Yeah. It's Holy Grail, it shifted about a bit and sort of caused different styles, apparently. I always found with Holy Grail that I was disappointed when they got arrested at the end. And I don't know if that's just my... The, the childlike plot expectation 
that you want them to succeed in some form because there is a funniness to them. But they run out of budget. That that was all it was. They run out of budget, so they just yeah. cut it short. And, but I think I think it's. I know what you mean. I was disappointed as well when I first saw it. But at the same time, it's, it's Python. Yeah, it is Python, and it's a cop out, isn't it? Hmm. What a cop out! Yeah. Get it? Yeah. Cop out. Cops. Get it? Yeah. You get it? Uh, I, I, someone was telling me they were in a screenwriting course and they were studying Life of Brian. <laughs> they watched. Uh, sorry, they're studying Holy Grail and they're watching it. And when the thing ended. They all just sat. A whole class of screenwriters sat in silence. Like, is that how it ended? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And they loved it, and then they, and then they started laughing. Oh wow! So you know, that's the thing with Python. It's uh, it gets you in waves. I think it's on their terms all the way. Yes, that's, that's the thing very about, true. That's the thing about Python is they'll just do it regardless. Well, there's jokes that people only got after the fact. Really? There's one that Charlie Brooker talked about, which is where. In the 70s, probably longer than that as well, uh, BBC dramas would film using different stuff inside and outside. So its stereo was shot on film. Right. That's why it looked so different when people walked in and out. Especially obvious in like Faulty Towers. Yeah. If you walk outside, suddenly the quality's different. They did a joke about that where they were in an office or something, they looked out the window and, gentlemen, I don't want to alarm you, but we're surrounded by film. And they will run to the window and go, ah, ah. <laughs> It's only funny now because everyone knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, oh, Life of Brian is just genuinely is the best. One thing we didn't mention that I wanted to as well. Terry Gilliam's input is extremely obvious in one particular scene. Is it the spaceship scene? It is the spaceship. Brian's running away from the Romans. He runs up a staircase. He fought unfinished staircase. He ends up falling, falling to his death. Oh no! Spaceship just takes him. Rushes past, crashes into the spaceship, and then goes on a, a massive space adventure with lasers and explosions. Aliens holding an eye with a hand coming out of there. I love it so Brilliant. much. And oh. I just read this today. Actually, apparently George Lucas phoned him up and said, "Well done." That was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, apparently, because this was just... The reason that it was in there was this was just off the back of Star Wars. Ah. So I thought, well, I'll fling that in, apparently. <laughs> and yeah, George Lucas called him up and said, yeah, that was awesome. Ah. Yeah. Thanks, George. Mm. Your word means nothing to us. <laughs> Your word is poison here. <laughs> yeah, love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I would say Michael Palin's a bit overshadowed in this film. I don't see mm. too much of him. He's always been the quiet one, isn't he? I guess so. I guess so. He stands out in Holy Grail and Mini of Life. Have you ever seen a fish called Wanda? Yes. He's so good in that. <laughs> he's oh, to be fair, he's good in everything. Yeah, he is. But he, he, he only really stands out for one or two characters. He's a bit mm. dis- missing from the cast. Yeah. There's the yeah. There's some great. There's one bit which is so subtle, but I do love it. Crucifixion. Oh, Good. yes. <laughs> First, it's on the left, and yeah, I love that. Crucifixion. He plays that nice uh, bureaucrat sort of role very mm. well. The, the, genuinely, when Eric Idle's character in that scene goes, nah, I'm, a, I'm only joking, I am being crucified. He's genuinely doing it. Oh, <laughs> you, sh- you should have got, oh, like, got out while he had the chance. It's a, it's, it's a bit 
cliche now, but the bit with the jailers. <laughs> what? Which way are the are the truths? <laughs> you know, I was watching it with Mum. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was watching it with Mum, and she didn't like that. She was a, she was a bit like, "Oh, that's a bit offensive." Is it? Because people have speech impediments, right? But he's the he's the trope. But at least he was proper doing it, wasn't yeah, it's he? True. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be a mutant jailer, that's why. Yeah, true. Shut up. And then uh, he walks away and so yes, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. There's not much more we can say, is there? Nah. All right, let's move on. Adam's film reviews. Shazam, 2019. Daily bats. I choose you as champion. Say my name so my powers will become yours. Shazam. Wait for real. Say okay. Say my name. Right. What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude. I don't even know how to pee in this thing. This is proof of authenticity. Super strength. Electricity manipulation. Hyper speed. I'd like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. Directed by David F. Sandberg, Shazam is the latest superhero film to come from the DC Extended Universe. Loosely based on the character's portrayal in the New 52 line of comics from 2011, Shazam introduces us to an ancient wizard known as Shazam. In his Fortress of Solitude, Shazam searches desperately for a new champion to contain the seven deadly sins, demonic entities that are currently entombed in stone. But his power grows weak and no one has yet proved worthy of his power. Enter young Billy Batson, a 14-year-old kid from Philadelphia stuck with social services. Desperate to find his real mother, Billy is reluctantly dragged back into a foster home run by two bile-inducingly happy and lovely foster parents, Victor and Rosa. In their home, they also look after the full licorice assortment of diverse kids, fulfilling almost every stereotype. Billy is paired up with Freddie Freeman, a big fan of superheroes and therefore naturally a massive target for his bullies at Fawcett High School. Billy, at first reluctant to join in and open up to Freddy and his new foster family, eventually steps up and defends Freddy from his bullies, gaining the attention of the elderly Shazam. Summoned to the ancient fortress, Billy is granted the power of Shazam and is able to change instantly from 14-year-old Billy Batson to a fully grown and fully powered superhero, complete with tight lycra and a silly little cape. But it isn't all fun and games. Billy's new power soon draws the attention of Dr. Silvana, a man whose life is ruined by an earlier meeting with the Shazam wizard, and now craves his own power. Ably assisted by the demonic seven deadly sins who now inhabit his body, able to be unleashed at any moment. With his power and his family soon in the crosshairs, Billy must choose whether to take the stand and possibly learn something along the way too. If you haven't already guessed, Shazam is, quite frankly, a bit of a throwback. It's corny, it's cheesy, it's silly, 
and it's fantastic. If anything, Shazam is a coming-of-age story, much like Big. There's even a reference to Big, and a funny one at that, just with added silly costumes. I've heard it compared to the old Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, and that's actually a pretty much spot-on comparison as far as I'm concerned. What Shazam does really well is to elevate the villain, Silvana, into a fully developed and rounded character. He's almost sympathetic, if he wasn't also a complete evil git. Mark Strong's performance underlines this perfectly, although I still think he should have been cast as Lex Luthor. Equally, Zachary Levy as Shazam is flawless, completely nailing his role as a 14-year-old boy in an adult's body. Although, this doesn't do Asher Angel many favours as... Zachary's charming and charismatic persona on screen kind of overshadows his younger self just a tad, but hey-ho. The story arc wraps up in a very satisfying way, with some good laughs scattered throughout. I'll be honest, it wasn't completely my cup of tea, but it tried hard to deliver a genuine, entertaining story without being bogged down in lore or treacle. And for this reason alone, it's definitely worth a watch. The jabs it makes at other superhero films don't hurt either. You leave tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Stream bucket on no part FM. People. Welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night. Uh, we just had CinemaCon. Oh. Do you know of CinemaCon? Do you know I don't? No, I feel like I, I should. Neither do I. I think it's an annual event. I think it was in Los An- Los Las Vegas this time. So they do trailers, have people coming and talking and show private footage of like new things coming out. But don't they do that at every con? Yeah. Comic Con, Gen Con. Yeah. I don't know what's special about this one, but right. loads of big people go. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, they had the likes of the Lion King and Toy Story, footage about that. Uh stuff about the new Terminator film. Oh yeah. That's so, one I was thinking about. Go on. Yeah, so Linda Hamilton, they've got her back for it. And I don't know um, where this is going to stand within the franchise. Is it as if certain films didn't happen? Because she died of cancer in Terminator 3, did she? She was already dead. She was already dead. Yeah. yeah. So in this one, I guess it's a different arc. Well, they've. It's as if they did you see happen. Genesis? No, I no, I didn't see Genesis either. So who knows? Basically, there could be any times at any point. I. It. Why can't they kill it? <sighs> It's gone. Well, this is exactly what I'm about to talk about with another film. So, during CinemaCon, people at Disney confirmed that they were definitely doing more Alien. Okay. But like, we'll take that as it comes. Yeah. And then the other, in the same breath, more Planet of the Apes. Well. No well. But I st- a lot of people said that, me included, the last time they did that. And that brought some of the best films ever. Had some great moments. Rise of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes are phenomenal, especially Rise. Yeah, but do you need more? It did end pretty sufficiently. Yeah. Are they going to do... I mean, there is a bit of a gap, so there probably is time to play with. I just, I don't know, I just feel like they're flogging a dead horse with that one. It's one of those ideas where make another film. Yeah, yeah. But people loved it. They see the money. They said the same thing. There was a number of other productions that they mentioned. Kingsman. They're going to keep on going with Kingsman. Uh, that's yeah. Surely that's dead in the water after the last one. No, they're definitely doing one more, I think. Um, here's the big one yep. for us. Chucky. Yeah. Mark Hamill. Yeah. 
That's it's... almost warmed me up to the idea because I love Mark Hamill. I mean, I was. He didn't even cross my mind when I was thinking of possibilities. He's so perfect he's, for the role. He's absolutely perfect. Anyone who's watched the animated series where he's a joker knows he's an astounding voice actor. So, and he's got that evil maliciousness to him that would be good Is for Chucky. Just, do you reckon he's just going to do the Joker voice? Because I reckon that could work. That could work extremely well. Ooh. I, I'm still not sold on the project, despite the fact it's now got two of my favourite actors in it. What, Aubrey Plaza and Mark Hamill? Yeah. Mm. Even so, I still think they've 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 ballsed up the franchise there. I think. But it's weird, it's weird that this only just been announced now, and obviously we've already seen trailers and stuff. Have they just not done his voice yet? They had like someone. No, yeah, to do there it. was a thing. Um, yeah, they were. Even though they filmed it, they didn't have a voice. Crazy. We definitely did talk about it because yeah. we were like, "This is the ridiculous Cause, and cause, unprofessional." Yeah, because it's the most important thing in a film where. A character is characterised by his voice. That's what makes him. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Um, there's another one, David Harbour. They were talking about the uh, Black Widow movie a bit. So we know David Harbour from... He's Hooper in Stranger Things. Yes. Everyone's favourite policeman. Hooper or Hopper? Hopper. Hooper. Hopper. Maybe I'm thinking Jaws with Hooper. I think it's Hopper. It is Hopper, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so he's been confirmed more or less, as has Rachel Weiss to join the cast of Black Widow. Which is good. Black Widow? Yeah, Black Widow movie. Is that Marvel or DC? It's Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. God, you should remember that. She's my favourite. She's my favourite too. Yeah, but it's interesting. I've like he's gone from being—I mean, I saw him in a couple of things before, but he was never big. And then he got—he landed that role in Stranger Things, the best character in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. by by far, best character. I've you know in a long time in a lot of stuff. But yeah, so he's now jumped from there to now he's Hollywood. Put him in a, put him in a superhero movie. Yeah, so he's that big now, which is interesting. Speaking of superhero movies, I like that we saw a little teaser for. A DC thing. Oh yes. Which I wasn't aware of. I don't wonder if that's in Marathon as well. Are you talking about Mr. Pennyworth? Yeah! yeah. Pennyworth, possibly a series. Yeah, looks like a series. Following Batman's butler during his special ops days. Yeah. That sounds like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, amazing. Anyway, yes. Loads of union flags in the trailer and stuff like that. It's all very British. Uh, I love it. I yeah. love that DC are now going into this like weird. They're playing around a bit now, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're not. Of... They're not following the hit. They're not doing what Marvel did. They're following the villains. Yeah. So they're getting rid of those horrible shackles of boredom and yeah. seriousness, and you know, going after the side characters. I love that as an idea because obviously you've got Harley Quinn's uh, uh, thing. Yeah. Coming out. Tell me what it's called now. Anyway, go on. Uh, yeah. So and also at CinemaCon, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, she mm-hmm. uh, she gave a little quotey about what she thought of Netflix, but then she kind of backed up on it. She's, <laughs> she said, "I love Netflix. You're gonna have to put a bleep on this. I love Netflix, but fuck Netflix. There's nothing like sitting in the cinema and the lights go down. I'd like to thank you guys for making that environment possible." I agree. I agree. Yeah. So that's important. I liked it. I love that she said that. Even we need to keep going to the cinema. We need to encourage people to keep going to the movies. It's good because you don't get that experience with Netflix it just doesn't happen well unless you have a very nice setup in a very dark room yeah where you don't have to put up with people coughing or sneezing oh that's part of the experience you're in a warm cocoon or rustling with popcorn you're in a cocoon with strangers and it's dark and I agree slant. but I think 
I think we're lucky in this country where people aren't knobs. Yeah. I think in America. Ugh, ugh. Have you seen? A, have you been to the cinema in America? Before? No, I haven't. Do you know what they do? They clap at the end. Uh, they clap. Uh, What's that about? It's it's the whole experience. I went to a film recently, uh, and there was a group of lads who just weren't paying attention. It was us. I saw him, but um, who just kept standing up, walking out, coming back, sitting down, All right. getting up, walking out. The whole film. Really? Yeah. What the hell was that about? Going okay, for a cheeky line in the toilet. Well, I don't know, but I did see at the end they had a bottle of whiskey. Ah, uh, well... But... What, in a cinema? What's the point? What is the point? There's bars, there's parks. Yeah. Don't spend £15 getting into a dark room just to get up and leave every second. Anyway. Yeah. But yes, I agree with Helen. Yeah. Good, good shouts. Definitely. Um, the Cats musical film has wrapped. Y- yay. See, I wanted to end on that one. Because I thought it was so exciting. Uh, we could have played a cat song. No. Yeah. I refuse to play a cat song. Meow, 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 meow. What's the keyboard cat? Mr. Tibbles? I don't know. No, what's the, the tune? What's the tune? Oh. I can't remember. I'll put it in now. Alright, sweet. Um, the most imp- like incredible thing. Yes. Speaking of DC... Yeah, speaking of DC, um, after a long wait, we finally got a trailer for Joker. Yes. For Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of Joker. Yeah. And it looks very, very good. It looks incredible. I was a bit... uh, I was quite excited, because I like Joaquin Phoenix generally, but I was a bit dubious before when they did the pictures. Yeah. But no, this trailer looks awesome. There's a manic sad insanity to the look of this film that I I mean there's, there's almost there's an ounce maybe a tiny ounce of Heath Ledger but other than that there's it's not really any other Joker in there is there there's it's something I can see a bit of Jack Nicholson mm. is that more the, the look it's more the intensity right uh, maybe that is more Heath Ledger yeah it's definitely it's own thing it's definitely not bloody Jared Leto no in his Marilyn Manson Joker thing whatever the hell that was in Suicide Squad Uh, that was just uh, Jared Leto was just trying to appeal to like modern rap culture yeah that's what exactly what it was goth rap yeah yeah no I didn't like that but yeah Whacking Phoenix you haven't seen You Were Never Really Here have you no see I can see shades of him from that Hmm. because in that he's like a sad sociopath I genuinely think this will have a similar like sort of effect on people to, to like Heath Ledger did. It looks like that iconic of a performance. I, yeah. I do you know I really can't stand the god worship of Heath Ledger. He was all right. He was good. He, he was, was no good. Mark Hamill. That's the thing. Mark Hamill is my Joker, so it's hard to yeah. It's hard to break away from it. But uh, one thing that I have seen people railing against on Twitter since the trailer came out. People are saying that this is making Joker too sympathetic. Like it's oh. going to appeal to the sort of people who go into a school with an AK-47. Oh, well, yeah. There is that, because you know people who kind of make, uh, you know, like neckbeards will go online and they'll make a meme and they'll put a picture of Heath Ledger's Joker and it says, oh, you might like me on a good day, but you'll hate me on a bad day. You know those kind of people? They'll yeah. make really weird things like, cross me and you'll never breathe again. Sort of stuff like that. 
I imagine that is what a load of really weird people are going to do with this. But I think it's a traditional, almost Shakespearean sort of setup where it's a tragedy. It's the downfall of a man. Yeah. And I don't. You're probably supposed to be sympathetic until a certain point. Yeah. And, and that's he... sort of the point of the film. Yeah. He's becoming a villain and you're not supposed to sympathise. But of course, you can't judge it these days, don't you? How do you mean? Who knows what people will sympathise with and who will yeah. aspire to be him. Yeah. This might make Joker an anti-hero. Yeah. It's a weird, weird world. Yeah. But anyway, still good. And from that trailer, we have the amazing Nat King Cole, Smile. Hello, Screen Bucket. It's Helen Mirren here. I just heard that you mentioned my my Netflix quote on your show, and I just wanted to add that not only should you f- Netflix, you should f- Amazon Prime as well, and f- Hulu, and f- BritBox, and f- YouTube, and f- it all, f- it all. I hate it. I hate it. If you're not sitting in a cinema in the darkness, then you can't watch anything. You can't see. You can't hear anything. Regular listeners to the show would know at this point we normally have my old friend Nick Reed present a video game review for us. But um unfortunately he's uh he's not got one this week. He's um I mean frankly he's he's let me down. He's let Rob down. He's let you down. And more importantly, he's let himself down. So let's all just take a moment and wish him well for the surgery he apparently needs to get his finger pulled out of his Okay, okay, quiet on the set. We premiere in three, two, one. You're listening to Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. And that was The Lookout Is Out by Cooking the Books. Ooh, what was that one? That's in Asterix in Britain, the best Asterix film and the one that reminds me of Easter so much. There's something very Eastery about Asterix. There is. I've got real, like, sense memory of eating hot cross buns and watching that film. Hmm. In fact, I love that song so much. I used to rent... If ever I want to listen to it again, I would go back to the library, spend a pound, and rent the tape again to watch it all over again. Deary me. And that song was in my head throughout my childhood. So hmm. thank you, internet. Thank you, YouTube, for bringing that song back to my attention. That's not all bad things, the internet, is it? No. Sometimes it can take you down memory lane. That's the... That's the one thing I'm thankful about the internet for, <laughs> is Asterix in Britain, being able to just watch it whenever I like, listen to the song whenever I like. Yeah. Classic. Very good. Anyway, speaking of films, what have we been doing, Rob? We have, uh, just last weekend, we finished day two of our shoot of Quaggers. Yes, our short horror comedy puppet, gross out, splatstick thing. Yes, uh, to this time it was internal. We're filming in the warehouse. Yes. Um, in a tent. We pitched up a tent in there because all of the scenes are set in a tent. Spoiler alert. Nils. Yeah, and um, we had to get our actors in there for a good, like what? We're filming in that tent for, I'd say, like 10 hours, were we? Eight hours, almost on the dot. Eight hours, almost on the Okay, so we didn't go over the what we said. But then that was sort of sandwiched in between setting up, yeah. doing a bit of rehearsal, 
and then afterwards cleaning down, which was a very stressful uh, experience indeed. Yes, yes, indeed. So this time we got uh, real messy. Real messy. All the mess happens inside. Um, huh. Yeah. So there's a lot of special effects here. Mostly set dressing, I'd say, more than special effects. Set dressing is an interesting way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so we set up the tent. It was, really, it was like a picturesque catalogue tent. Yeah. All like chairs and stuff and looked, scrabble boards. and. It looked like, you know, you're going on a camping trip, you're at a festival, it was comforting, it was homely. Uh, Evie, our runner for the day, she even said, uh, how long have they been here? Because this looks like day four of a festival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess it does. Um, and then through the events of the film, it gets a bit mucky. Oh, yes. We get a lot of vomit, a lot of slime... A lot of blood. And a lot of lumps. Lumps of what? Lumps of pig. Lumps of actual genuine pig. Yeah. I went to uh, the local butchers in Hitchin, Allingham's. Mm. The best local butchers. They do Hitchin sausages, which are delicious. Yes. Um, and I ordered some... I didn't know what to order. I asked for offal. And the guy suggested pig plucks. Pig pucks? Plucks. Pig plucks, they're called. Yes. Okay. Now, if you imagine the inside of a anatomical, like, torso, you have the windpipe, you have the lungs, you have the heart, you have the liver, you have all the bits. Mm. All the bits that stick to the one bit. Yeah, it was that. It's grim. And I ordered four. Mm. And even then, I think we probably could have had some more. You know, it was weird looking at the stuff. I know this sounds... Because if you, you know, people have ordered, you know, you go to Sainsbury's, you can buy liver to cook, you can buy whatever you... But actually holding a heart, yeah. actually holding a liver, a lung, it was weird. Well, the first thing Josh pointed out were all the valves. Yeah. There's a lot of valves. It's creepy. Which is something you don't normally see. No. Uh, they get rid of those bits. Yeah. It was good, though. It looked amazing. Mm. I still think there's some stuck to my shoe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I can still sort of smell it. Oh yeah, so the irony, irony tinge to it. It was. Ooh. I would say it was not the worst smelling effect we've ever done. We we did a for a short film for a twenty eight uh, forty eight hour film competition. We did one where you plunge your hand in some guts yeah. and ripped out a key that the guy had swallowed. Yeah, we did that separately. We filmed. We got a little ice cream tub and we filled it with liver and kidney mm. and spaghetti hoops and blood. With some liquid latex on top, cut the liquid latex to look like you were going through skin, and then rummaged around. Josh's hands rummaging around, and that thing stunk. Yeah, like really, yeah. really stunk. And that was food we got from the food counter. So I don't know what was going on there. I when I was when we were first sort of so this was getting to the end, and we were panicking, we were rushing because we only had a limited amount of time to yep. get the shots done we needed to be done. So I was kind of walking around the tent with the bucket just flinging these guts around. And at first, when it first came out of the bucket, the iron smell was a bit overwhelming. Really? But you did kind of just get used to it. And as we were slipping and sliding around oh, the tent. Oh, the health and safety was insane. We might yeah. have thrown fairy washing up liquid yeah, down on the ground. We might need to readjust our contract <laughs> for the next one. Uh, yeah. God. It was good, though. Yeah. So we, yeah, we did start running out of time i think we didn't realize how long prep would take hmm. i think there was a bit of an issue with that and i've got to say filming in such a small it was an eight-man tent but it didn't feel like that 
the the space limitation was so tricky to navigate. I had to completely rework shots that I wanted to do just because they couldn't fit. Oh yeah, there was one point where I remember Ramboing across the floor, shuffling on my elbows. <laughs> so you'd have, I mean, to picture the scene, you would have at any given time two or three actors, you directing, me holding a light, Evie holding a boom, maybe someone poking out the window holding a wire or something. Mm-hmm. So absolutely crammed. Plus guts, plus slime, and the, not to mention the fact that we have frozen the actors, so they're in they're in soaking wet, sodden with slime clothes. Yeah, we have more complaints about being cold this time than when we were in the woods. Yeah, yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah, it was it was insane. At one point, you say the window, we had to cut that window because I couldn't fit. Yeah, because I I wanted to go back a bit further, so Josh just cut a hole in the tent. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, and we've still got effects to do, and. I'm probably going to... Well, I was thinking about this. I'm probably going to get some shots, close-up shots of the actors' face doing reactions. Right. And then cut that over the footage I've already got for the background of the tent. Because there's some shots I think I miss because we're in a rush that I can just replicate by just getting their face and green-screening it, essentially. Yeah. Onto the background. Yeah. Stuff like this is what we have to think about because time is such an issue. We now... We have one more date with actors, and we're not going to be able to afford any more after that. So it's going to be last-minute pickup shots, and then yeah, we're done. Yeah. Uh, to do all the effects, we're probably going to have to pitch up the tent in uh, our loft, just to Would it fit in your loft? With. Yeah, well, a bit of it will. Right. It's a big loft. Okay. But I think um, if we just put up the corner and a wall, right, we can just, you know, make do. Around that. But, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. So yeah, we've kind of gotten over the hill. With the, so with the one more thing with the actors, special effects. It's really frustrating because actually, had it not rained the first time, we'd be done with the actors now. Mm. We well, could they, be cracking on with the effects. I feel like maybe it could be a blessing in disguise because it means if that third day we can get, as long as we're organised, as long as we watch stuff back, we can get everything we need and we don't have to get back again. Yes, yes, there is that. There might be some audio we need to record. Because of the tightness of the set, there were a couple of times when I got rid of the boom because it was in the way. Mm. So there are some scenes where there's no audio. Which is fine, because we can put music over and stuff. But there's one scene in particular when uh, the evil Brett vomits across the pure innocent dam. Oh, yeah. And the noises that... Blake, our actor playing Dan, was making was so good. Luckily, we do have the behind-the-scenes video, so yeah. I might just take the tail from that and try and cover up our laughing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. To watch two professional actors grappling, one of which has got a vomit pipe in their mouth, and then seeing all this... What was it? It was beetroot and... Beetroot juice and uh, squash, apple black Beetroot juice and apple black currant squash pouring onto the other actor's face. <laughs> and because I was filming the behind the scenes shot, I'm watching the video back. I just kept going back up to Josh, who had a big grin on his face. Oh, he was loving it. Loving every moment. You're, I went down to you and you're just grinning like an idiot. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment. And in the background, we had Jodie looking disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> oh. She was the most excited to see the vomit pipe in action. Yeah. Because I think she'd seen it on a call sheet. Right. And went, what is that? <laughs> this is what it is. Do you want to describe the vomit pipe? So it's basically a hook that goes into your mouth. It makes a U-bend, goes into your mouth, and then pops out again. And it's on the end of a pressurised barrel, which you pump. Yeah, so like so. a water spray, the sort you get for 
like Weed Killer. Mm. We got it from B and Q. So yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's a it's a weed thing. So you pressurize the pump and then you spray it. So if you're filming from a certain angle because of the nature of the hook, you don't see any sort of appliance. Yes. You just see vomit coming out of the mouth. Uh, an idea I got from uh, that specific version, I got from the behind the scenes of Alien Covenant. Alien? Why did you watch the behind the scenes of Alien? Because Covenant? they were doing vomit pipes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one good thing Alien Covenant got us. Vomit was... pipes. Thank you, Ridley Scott. <laughs> Thank you very much. <sighs> anyway, so yes, all going well. Effects time now, mm. and then hopefully, I want to try and get it done for August. Yeah. Hopefully long before August, but August is when Fright Fest opens their doors for submissions. Yes. We can send it to Fright Fest. Yes. Teehee. Oh, man. Get some of those, what do you call them? What do you call the awards? What are the reefs? Reefs, yeah. Reefs. Yeah. Get some reefs and then splurge it out to the masses. Oh, incidentally, uh, we are working on some merchandise. To help mm. fund the end of Froggers. Uh, more information on that later, because I haven't got confirmation on it yet. Uh, but when it's all up to date, we'll post it online on Twitter and and we'll talk about it here. And hopefully you can take home some merch. Oh, yes. Merch. 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 Rob. Might, even, merch. might even sign it. Might even sign it. Unless oh, it's a shirt, then we won't. Far. We can no. do a competition or something. Yeah. Merch, 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 in merch. Goiter, goiter. Take their money. You have one message. Message one. Hello, Scream Bucket. It's Ridley Scott here, and I'm getting more and more annoyed at the fact you keep bringing me up, and you keep talking about Alien Covenant and Prometheus. Well, I can't stand it. Look, I've ruined Alien once. Twice. But I... I'm a respected and well-researched filmmaker, and I, 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 I really, truly hate how much you talk about me when I'm the one who made Blade Runner and Alien. Yes, I did make the good Blade Runner, it's true, but I started it, and I will demand respect. And if it wasn't for Alien Covenant, you'd have got your stupid idea for your vomit pipe. So... You know, royalties, please. And, and 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 if you're, you know, got too much money, maybe you could sign up to my masterclass about filmmaking, about how to ruin films, and how to really suck the life and soul out of your franchises. Yes, yes, then I shall make your money do another alien film where the alien will wear a little tutu, because that's how little I care about my animals and concepts. Bye. Adam's Film Reviews, Pet Cemetery, 2019. So many trees. It's beautiful, right? It's definitely not Boston. Here we go. Okay, so, what do you think? Wow, this whole place is ours? I even got him to throw in a whole forest as a new backyard. Those woods. something else. The ground is bad. Maybe just some crazy folk tale. 
But there is something up in those woods. There's something that brings things back. Sometimes dead is better. Directed by some guys, Pet Cemetery is the second adaptation of the Stephen King novel of the same name. It opens on a man moving himself and his family from the big city and into the countryside of Maine, whereupon they discover spooky things and everything goes wrong, a tale familiar to anyone who's read any Stephen King ever. This time around, it's Lewis Creed's turn to go through the ringer. A doctor from Boston, Massachusetts, Lewis and his family have opted into a calmer, more family-orientated lifestyle on the edge of vast woodlands in, in small-town Maine. Firstly, there's Rachel, Lewis's kind of troubled wife, Ellie, their nine-year-old daughter, Gage, their baby son, and Church, Ellie's cat. While exploring the wilderness outside their home, Ellie discovers a pet cemetery, a place where pets are buried in the woods by the local community. Here she meets Judd, an old hermit and friendly neighbour of the Creeds. After church, the cat is struck down in the road. Judd leads Lewis deep into the woods, claiming he knows of a way to bring church back from the grave and spare Ellie's heartbreak. After a long walk through swamps, woods and having taken a left to Old Man Willow, Judd instructs Lewis to bury church in the sour earth. Sure enough, the following morning, church is back on four legs, only different. As the story progresses, Lewis's life begins to fall to pieces around him, but still he keeps the secret of the graveyard to himself. Whatever happens, whoever dies, he has a way to bring them back. But, as they say in the trailer, sometimes dead is better. If I had to describe Pet Cemetery in a sound, it would probably be something like this. Boring, bland, and without merit, Pet Cemetery is a rehash of an old tale, and a boring one at that. The concept itself is fairly solid, and credit where it's due, there is more to this story than a standard zombie yarn, but the small moments of dread that this film managed to conjure up were in the service of nothing, except maybe the trailer. Which, incidentally, basically tells you everything that happens in the story, and I guess that's part of the issue. You're just watching people plod their way through the story, the story that you already know. And I don't mean because of the previous film, or even the original book. The film does go in its own direction, but everything just crawls along. No turns, no sudden twists, just a slow, methodical beating of that plot hammer. The best bit was early on, when the family first arrived at the home and a, a truck tears past the house. The audience jumped, startled. Rachel, on screen, jumps and shrieks. Lewis asks her if she's okay, and she replies, Yes, I'm okay. I'm just a bit startled. And there we have it. The entire film experience summed up by a supporting character in the first ten minutes. Startling perhaps, but scary? No chance. If for some reason you are compelled to drag yourself to the cinema to watch this, then at least John Lithgow has got your back. He plays a fantastic character in a fantastic way, and he, he almost makes the film worth watching. But not quite. Don't bother with this. If you want to watch some Stephen King, you might as well wait till the second It film, because at least that's going to be worth watching. And now, it's show and tell. 
Sweet bucket. Hola, looks rather nice. Adam, Rob, do you want to play a game? Uh, is it that one again? Yeah, the one with and the. Oh, I don't want to be a. All right, maybe next week. But this time, I've thought of this fun feature we can fill this last slot with. Oh! Second from last slot. Yeah? Right, so what we're going to do is we're going to describe films to each other badly. And then (laughs) you've got to guess the film. So are we doing this or are we taking this from other people? Are we stealing these? We're stealing these. Okay, good. Yeah, we're stealing these. All right, just so we're clear. Yeah, okay. Wouldn't want to deceive the audience. Well, it did cross my mind, but... Probably honesty is the best policy. We're not yeah, that good. Still, still, still. Okay, right. so what are we doing? Uh, I'll start. Okay, so you're going to read out a badly described film plot and ask guess what it is? Yeah. Okay. All right. Pocahontas with blue people. The Avatar. Yeah. Right. We're doing this one at a time or are you doing me loads and then I do loads? Uh, well, I'll do five for you. Okay. All right, so you got one out of five. Yep. Old man obsessively stalks teenage girl. You get one guess. What? Old man obsessive. Lost in translation? <laughs> Twilight. Okay. That could be so much. That could be every Woody Allen film. As oh, well. yeah. Carry on, carry on now. Because Woody Allen. Priest kidnaps child for cult and eventual marriage to politician twice his age. What? Say again. Priest kidnaps child for a cult and eventual marriage to politician twice his age. I don't know. What is that? Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the Jedi have kidnapped Anakin and he's taken him into their weird cult. They didn't kidnap him, they bought him. Worse, one would say. Well, when yes. You're talking about a religious cult and then obviously <laughs> he got married to Padme who was a yeah. lot older. Yeah, yeah, alright. Right, how many is that? That's three. Alright, so you've got... You've I've got, got one out of three. One out of three, okay. Um, a wise cracking boiler technician teaches high school students to believe in their dreams. What? Oh my god. You're going to kick yourself. You're going to kick yourself. Say again. A wise cracking boiler technician. That might throw you off. A, a, a wise cracking janitor, let's say, okay. teaches high school students to believe in their dreams. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright, see so what's that? Two out of four? Yeah. Okay. A depressed office worker joins a cult and destabilizes the gut. That's crap, that one. That's the Matrix. Fight Club. Oh, yeah. that's the Matrix, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Fight Club. Go on. Man's midlife crisis endangers his family and entire city. A very hard one again. Say again? A man's midlife crisis endangers his family and the entire city. You're not going to get it, that's just too hard. My first instinct was Batman, but family... You're close. Spider-Man? No, he's not middle-aged. Incredibles. Oh, come on now. I know, I'm, you know what, I'll give you one more. Alright. Doopy-doopy-doo. Leonardo, Di- <laughs> Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio wanders a frozen wasteland in search of an Oscar. <laughs> that's the Revenant. Yes. Nice. Alright, so we'll give you three out of five. Okay, alright, thank you. Let's go then. Uh, okay, I've got a different list. Okay. Mine's from BuzzFeed. It's people's tweets. Cool. So I'm going to shout them out as I go. Right. Okay. From Kerry Sackville. 
A very old looking teenage girl wears hot pants and learns to smoke to win her boyfriend back. Then they sing. What? Oh, Grease. Yeah, very good. Nice. Okay. I've got chills. Are they multiplying? Yeah. No, they're dividing. Oh, maths. <laughs> oh, okay, from Maggie Vanilike. Vanilike? Half fish, half woman sells vocal cords to kiss random bloke. Little Mermaid. Yeah, that's too easy. Okay, let me find a hard one. I'm just like a professor of film at this stage, two out of two. Well, you do have that degree. I do have that degree in film studies. <laughs> and something of a, a connoisseur. Kid goes back... Right, okay, from, from James Watley, at Watley Dude. Kid goes back in time to stop an old man being his dad's boss. Kid goes back in time... To stop an old man being his dad's boss. Back to the future? Yeah. You're going to get all of these. <sighs> this is pathetic. So good at films. I'm such a film buff. Uh, okay, it's from CT at Turno158. An underage girl runs away from a Kansas farm with three unemployed drifters. Oh, Wizard of Oz. Damn it! So, yeah. Damn it! Oh, it's just so good, man. It's just so good! A bunch of white whiny kids spend a day together in detention. That, that, Breakfast Club! Too easy, Breakfast too easy. Club! A guy wakes up on Groundhog's Day. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Groundhog's Day. Oh, that's very good. This is dumb. This is dumb. Stupid game. You just got a silly Fred. I'm the champion of stupid Fred. Game. I've won. I've uh. won. I've won even before your stupid world record attempt. This is brilliant. <laughs> Did you want to? you want to find a better Fred? No. You don't want to play no. the game anymore. No. He's the champion. This is what you get for dissing Game of Thrones, bro. A white boy in England is told he's special. Then he goes to a private school. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. shush. A white boy in... In England is told he's special. Then he goes to a private school. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. Potter. <laughs> yes. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. You have one message. Message one. Oh, Mr. Bruce. It's Alfred here. Um... The Easter egg hunt has not gone according to plan. You see, I hid all of the eggs around White Manor, and the children are looking for them, but they've been searching for seven hours now, and they can't find any eggs. The problem is, is I've hidden all of the eggs so well, that no one can find any of them, and now I've forgotten where I put the bleeding eggs, because I tripped over and hit my head on your damn fountain. You've got fountains in every corner of White Manor. All I'm doing every single day is tripping over your damn stupid fountains. And I'm very sorry. I do apologise, Mr. Wayne. You know how much I love you. Please don't sap me again. I just want you to know, but I've lost all the bleeding eggs. The children are screaming. The parents are complaining. Just just come over here and hide some eggs. And then I can be on with my day. Thank you, Master Bruce. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was You Sexy Thing by Hot Chocolate. You Sexy Fang. You Sexy Fang. Yes. Because, you know, Easter and chocolate. Yeah, And it was in a film. It was in a film. The full monte. I have to say, we were running out of uh, Easter-themed... Yeah, we had to scrape the songs. barrels. <laughs> That's why you've heard some music tonight from Echo and the Bunny Men. Yeah, and some or... Song of Asterix. Yeah! Don't Fantastic. complain about that. No, 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 not at all. Uh, so, one thing that's coming up that I definitely wanted to mention, there's a, a Gala Charity Fund screening 
evening thing of one of my favourite films ever, A Clockwork Orange. Wow. A film that we talked about at length at college, and yet haven't discussed on here. Oh, man. Stanley Kubrick classic. I don't even know if we're qualified to talk about Clockwork Orange. (laughs) It's possibly true. Um, it's, it's, It's being screened on Saturday the 13th, so as of the first airing of this show, it's on Saturday, in aid of... Now, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, because the rest of the show, the rest of the station have been talking about it. In aid of Super Seraph, is that how you say that? I think that's right. So, so a really, really great cause. If you haven't heard of it by now, do look it up. I think there's a Facebook group or something. Um, but they're arranging this charity screening at the Queen Mother Theatre at 7pm, doors open 6pm. Screening of Clockwork Orange introduced by Katharina Kubrick. Oh, insane! That's amazing. The drink on arrival, uh, raffle, a rare film memorabilia auction. I believe it might be a signed poster. That's uh. in the back of my head somewhere. Uh, photo booth, best costume prizes, and more. Ticket price at twenty five pounds. If you can still get them, definitely go to this. This sounds awesome. This is in Hitchin, uh, seven pm on Saturday the thirteenth. Be there. Surely some of you got some Droog costumes lying around in your cupboards you can dig out for that. Oh, mate. Clockwork Orange, that's the... Is that the easiest costume to look cool? Ghost. A ghost? just put a sheet on. That's true. Mm. It's a white suit, white overalls, dungaree things. Hat. And a hat. And uh, that's eyeliner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Is there anything you want to talk about? Uh, we're going to be on the radio, but live. Oh my god! At a beer festival. Yes, I think we teased it a couple of weeks ago, but now we're confirmed. Yeah, five p.m. is our slot. I yep. think um, it's the Bulldog Beer Festival. Yes, on May the fourth. May the fourth. May Wars. the fourth be with you. Mm. We did talk before about going in Star Wars cosplay. I think we should. I think we should. We're the film people. We kind of got to uphold true. that. And we have a Yeti costume. We do. Soskbacker. 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 Uh, Choose Quatch. Choose Quatch. Choose Quatch. Yes. Oh, there we go. Choose Quatch. Hmm. Just to make a bandolier. Yep. And you're there. Sweet. Perfect. Means I have to be Han Solo. What a shame. Oh, no. What a shame. You get to be the handsome go-getter and I get to be the walking carpet. Uh, Unless there's another blonde character who's not Luke because Luke's rubbish. Mm. Is there another blonde? Uh... What a, what a racist <laughs> series of films. If you're going to get annoyed about racism in Star Wars, I don't think you can start with blonde people. <laughs> Just putting it out there. there. There's no blonde people. There's no they, blonde women. Uh, let's not get into the whole Lando Carizian debate, because then we'll be here all uh, night. Well, 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 well. Anyway. anyway. So yes, look out for that. Um, we're doing interviews as well. We are. How do you feel about that? Um... You know what? I feel like we'll probably be able to get away with having a few beers for the interviews. Do you reckon? That'll be fine. Do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> I figure between three and five, no swears are going to slip out. Two and four? No, what? we're doing interviews after the radio slot, I think. But was that, are we going to be walking around like with a microphone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have a little cheeky sip of beer as we go along. Yeah, cheeky sip. I found out... Um, a friend from work, Matt Butler, who's the drummer in Electric Black, are actually playing. No way. On the night. So, hopefully we've got one guaranteed interview. 
<laughs> Just interview him. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. Fantastic. Is there anything else? Not apart from the thing I'm looking forward to that's about to happen. <laughs> I'm just going to unwrap one more. Record breaker. So in front of me, I have some Cadbury's cream eggs. Dude, you've got six there. Oh, you're going for seven, aren't you? Okay, I am yeah. going for seven. So the world record. Oh. That's a lot of cream eggs. Okay. So the current record for the most cream eggs eaten in a minute uh, is held by Peter Chawinski. Yeah, that's about right. Peter Chawinski from Canada, and he managed six in a minute on the 11th of April 2014. Wow. Six in a minute? Pathetic. I don't know, man. I'm looking at those eggs right now, and that's a lot of egg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now they're in front of me, it does look like a lot of egg. So, just to reiterate, Adam is has one minute to eat seven cream eggs, and he's going to go for it, and I am going to sit back and drink a bit of my Polish You're can. You're going to do the commentary, my lad. I'm going to do the commentary, but I'm going to sip my Polish can, because okay. I feel like I'm really going to enjoy this. <laughs> um... Ooh, that tastes so much better than seven cream eggs. <laughs> yeah, right. Cream eggs are the best, man. I am recording, yeah. Okay, it's not pointing at me. It is pointing at you. Um, people watching at home now, welcome to my sister's spare room. This is a temporary studio while we wait for something a bit more permanent. Um, here are my cream eggs. I've gone for every advantage I can. I've I've, un- I've turned on the wrapper, because that's ridiculous to take that off. Uh, and I've also slightly chilled them. Because I've got a theory that if they're slightly chilled, they won't collaborate so much. Dude, it's just going to make them harder. It's going to make them harder, but that means I can bite them. Right. If they're mushy, it's just going to stick to my... Okay. Yeah? Okay. Are you on board? Well, I don't care. Like, I'm just happy to see you, like, choke to death on cream eggs. <laughs> Alright, so... Do you want to get your phone at the same time and time it? Yep. So we've waited to the last moment in case I'm violently ill. Stopwatch. Okay. Okay. Let me just have a little sippy. Okay. Are you ready, Adam? Not really. This is going to be pathetic. You I realize. don't know how to do the Heimlich manoeuvre. I'm not going to swallow them whole. <laughs> What's going to happen? Oh, oh God. All right, ladies and gentlemen, world record attempt. In three, two, one, go. Okay, and he's straight into the first cream egg. His strategy oh is crunching. What's the problem? Right, well, you're at 11 seconds, mate. And you're on one. So you got to speed it up. got to speed it up. Chewing. Almost down. Oh, so delicious. Number two. Ah, he's changed his strategy up. Half bites. Two thirds. Second egg. Yep. Gus, pick up the pace, man. You're up 37 seconds. Two eggs. Oh, go! third. Strong. Halfway through. The third egg. Right, you've got five seconds to eat. Eight. Nine. Okay, so he's gonna finish the eggs anyway. He's gonna finish all of them. What? Is it gone? 
Well, no, no, you gotta keep going. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Someone's already in. Peter Sawinski's already in six. I did four. You didn't do four. I four. You didn't do four. You did, I did four. You did three. I'll give you three. <laughs> and that's generous. Oh, God. Was it? Yeah. The first one, I am. Talk, talk. Well, I don't care. I just want to see you suffer. So you, you, I'm not suffering. That was delicious. Was it nice? Was it actually a good experience? Mm, mm. Oh, dear. Mm. <sighs> so, how was it? What was the crunch like? What was the first one? How, why did the it first one was the worst one. Yeah. So suddenly you go, oh my god. It's in there. Mm. Got easier as it went, but oh my god. That first one, you're not prepared for the for the sheer majesty of cream egg. So, can you imagine how someone managed to do six in a minute? I can, because I did four. I did three. You did three. I did three. You did three. With no training. That's very good. I'm, I'm stuck together. Do you want a beer? Mm. Oh. I love a beer. We are still doing the radio show. I know. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well done, mate. That was a valiant attempt. I quite enjoyed it. I might, you... do, I might do it again when I'm at home. I, you look like you've enjoyed it in the same way that someone who's like fallen in a river <laughs> of rapids. I tell you, you what, can... I, do, I do now have chocolate sweat. Hmm. Have like I told you're... you about this before? It looks like your heart's going to explode. <laughs> you've been very red. I have chocolate sweats. Mm. So, some people have meat sweats. I have chocolate. And it's apparently it's dairy. Apparently it's a real thing. So why people get cheese sweat as well. I'm familiar with the cheese sweat. It's the same thing as the dairy. It's the milk. What it is, it's your body. Cheese, re- dairy releases an endorphin in your brain, right? Mm. Fun fact time. Fun fact time. Oh, Jesus. That gives you pleasure. Right. People get addicted to it. It's why people get addicted to cheese. Right. And the reason you get addicted to it is because it tricks your brain into thinking you're exercising. It's the same hormone no way, really? that's released when you do exercise. Um, so the, my body's sweating because it thinks I'm exercising. Is there a thing as well? Chili. Chili does a thing that sex does. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Chili is a pleasure response. Yeah. That's why Mexican food makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, unlike other hot food that just hurts, like mustard. Oh, yeah. Great. And... Um, Wasabi is the worst one. I learned that on Brainiac. Did you really? Mm. Oh, wow. See? Relevant. Screen. Screen, see? Mm? Yeah. I'm going to enjoy a little creamer. You monster. Mm, it's really tasty. You absolute monster. That's grim. <sighs> I hate cream eggs, by the way, everyone. Judge me all you want. They're filth. Slimy, mm. slimy filth. And I've got to watch this odious monster mm. munch on them in front of me. Mm, I've got 12 left. So that's five. You're, you're on the fifth one. God. <laughs> Good God. Anyway. <laughs> I guess that's the show. Yeah, thank you for listening to our Easter special. Mm. Um, please do not try this at home. No, try it. It's great. No, no, no. It's a sin. Mm. And at Easter, we must be good. What? I don't know. No, Lent's over. Do what you want. Oh, okay. It's party time. Woo! Oh, my tooth hurts. Mm. <laughs> Stream bucket on Nofat FM. Beep boop. Well, that was the podcast, chaps. Well, how did you find it? Uh, I hope that you have no desire to go and get cream eggs now. 
Speaking of cream eggs, I'm going to have one right now. Oh, you disgusting freak. You're meant to be going to the gym. Um, yeah. When was the last time you went to the gym? Last week. Which week? Last week. Promise? Yeah. Alright. How many times? To be f- Once. Ugh. But we were busy. It's true. Alright. That's the trouble. And, uh, and then I was ill this week, so I haven't been this week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, next week, when I'm recovered. Yeah. Mm. What a delicious cream egg. Oh, look. I can lick the cream out. Disgusting. Filth. Mm. Absolute filth. I would rather just eat a uh, nugget of rabbit poo uh, than a cream egg. Uh, uh, I'd rather eat a cream egg stuffed with rabbit poo than the stuff that's in the centre. Oh, it's so cool. Filth. Vile filth. Vile filth. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Cheers, guys. Um, please join us I'm next run time. My tongue around the disgusting. Room. Disgusting. <laughs> didn't didn't like that at all. Didn't like your use of oh, words there. Didn't like your. Ribble down my chin. Is there anything you wish to inform our listeners about? No. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Sorry, there's a lot of sugar in these. I don't really know. You've gone weird. <sighs> Anyway, oh, a little bit come over there. Yeah, sh- stop it! Disgusting, <laughs> disgusting, <laughs> disgusting. Right, follow us at screen underscore bucket. At screen underscore bucket. Yeah, yeah, that's how you say it. And at North Arts FM for the the parentship, the mm. mothership, the mothership, the mothership, mm. Mm. the hive mind. Cream mm. man. Ugh, weird. All right, goodbye, everybody. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.